0: The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to the Friday edition of Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy, the Sasquatch Underwood. She's like a lucha libre.
1: I'm here. <laughs>
0: That was fucking weird. Like, y'all, she, like, puffed up her chest and lifted up her arms like she was going to say something amazing. And then went,
1: hi, I'm I'm here.
0: here." (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. No. So I'm kind of actually sad about this episode right here because I... This is my Friday episode.
1: It is your Friday episode, and we've been kind of waiting to do this one for a while. It's just things. Ca- I mean, you got sick. Got things have sick come up. Yeah. You know,
0: and now my voice is so fucked
1: up. Yeah, that he's he's starting to. It's <laughs> starting to crack like a schoolgirl. I mean, a schoolboy.
0: Like a little school. Girl. And like
1: your little like fourteen year old again.
0: Tell me again, Daddy. Excuse how, me again? You, tell me again how you want to be my sugar daddy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, so. In honor of that, because I would not be knowing what you were going to say, I'm not even reading through it first. I'm just oh, going to read it.
0: sweet baby Jesus. So
1: that's why I chose not to read it first, because you did just send it to me. I didn't say, hey, give me a second to read through it.
0: You were going to love this story.
1: I'm choosing, I'm just going to read it how you wrote it, <laughs> and I'll even include your little side notes. And right, then Well, it's we my
0: researcher, but. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay, you, your researcher. And
0: whoever's. even my researcher, when I sent her the, the thing, there it goes.
1: There it goes. He's sounding like a 14 year She even said, I'm,
0: I'm kind of disappointed because I wanted to hear you actually do it.
1: No. <laughs> no, you don't.
0: No, you don't. He said, no. No, you don't. My voice is going to total shit.
1: Yeah. Suck on a lodgings while I start talking. Oh, I'm
0: going to suck on a good. S-
1: suck on a recola, not a dick-cola. <laughs> Same thing okay so the friday episode we're doing and i need to let everybody know how nice i am because i gave this one to you he was mine i had him he was in my bag i was ready to do him and i said you know what i'll be nice i'll give him to scott so i gave him to you and it's dennis andrew Nilsson. he is known as the Mus- muswell hill murder or the kindly killer I don't see how it was kindly, but I guess we'll get into that. Don't judge. I'm not, you know, I'm not judging. Um, he was born, oh my God, on November 23rd, 1945 in Fraserburg, Scotland.
0: Nesse. That's right. He was up on the loch looking for Nesse. Nesse, let's go play some golf.
1: Oh my God. His dad's name is Olaf Magnus. Malksheim?
0: you don't get much more scottish than that like for real
1: you don't really magnus and munchime mm-hmm. and his mom was elizabeth betty duthie white and he was the middle of three children with an older brother brother Olaf jr and a, younger a sibling sandwich sister sylvia hey i'm a middle child there is really such a thing as middle child syndrome
0: Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Shut up, bitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Olaf Sr. was a Norwegian soldier. No wonder the name Olav. Okay, was a Norwegian soldier who went to Scotland as part of the Free Norwegian Forces. Olav and Betty were married shortly after, when they met, in after meeting in which Olav had rescued the beauty f- from being accosted. Oh, he saved the damsel in distress. Um... See, it's all new to me. At some point, Olaf <laughs> changed his last name to Nilsson. Um, and a due marriage from the start, Nilsson's father had little interest in being a father or a husband, focusing more on his career as a soldier and neglecting to find a place for his growing family to live.
0: Fuck him. Let him find it on their own.
1: No, you know what I have to say about that, though? is That's his work ethic, I believe. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I have Dutch ancestry and it's a strong work ethic. You and,
0: know. and being Dutch, wooden shoes Well, this guy's Norwegian, cheap. but yeah. They cost money. You have to buy those wooden well, shoes. Well, he's
1: Norwegian. Norwegians don't have wooden shoes. All right. Well, whatever. I said I have Dutch ancestry.
0: <laughs> so, With your wooden clogs.
1: You know what? Don't make fun of me. So reportedly, an alcoholic, as a result, Dennis grew up in a shared room with his mother and his siblings in his grandparents' home in a small fishing village. Uh, Not long after his sister was born, his parents divorced when he was four years old, and Dennis's maternal grandparents were highly supportive of this hugely controversial decision, as they were a large Catholic family, which we know divorce is not accepted, in the late 40s, early 50s, because they never liked Olav and hadn't wanted the marriage to occur in the first place. Um, I'm just like, okay, it's killing me not to read ahead. Dennis was quite an adventurous child, highly reserved in showing his emotions, Um, Dennis developed a strong relationship with his grandfather, who on all accounts was a cold, dour, stoic, poor fisherman, who was by and large respected by others. Music, dancing, alcohol, and working on the Sabbath Sunday were frowned upon within the household.
0: I like Um, dancing.
1: That makes sense, though.
0: I like to shake my booty.
1: Scott, you're white with no rhythm. Don't prove me wrong. Okay, you just pro- you're proving me right. I don't want to see it again. Please, Lord, no. I'm going to take a picture of that next time. Please, Lord, that, that was traumatizing. Um, when Dennis's grandfather came home from the sea, they would often take very long walks while his grandfather told him stories of his adventures there. This would prove to be the most meaningful relationship in his life. Around the age of six, Dennis's grandfather died of a heart attack Um, while he was at sea and he was brought home and laid out in another room. No one explained to young Dennis that he was dead and his mother forced him to view the body and told him he was sleeping and then no one mentioned him ever again. This led to him believing his grandfather was simply sick and would come home at some point and explain everything. Eventually, he realized his grandfather wasn't coming back. Now, you have a side note here, but I want to share my side note real quick. Is That can be traumatizing. Very. Because when I was 13, I lost my grandfather, who meant the world to me. And we were told before his funeral that it was not going to be a viewing And next thing I know, we're being led into this room and there's my grandpa's casket open and it traumatized me. So you have here, this was a huge mistake on the part of his mother, as well as his grandmother. Grief is a very natural emotion, but so is the feeling of being betrayed. I feel that if they had simply told Dennis that his grandfather had died, he would have grieved, but playing it off as if he was sick or just simply sleeping and allowing Dennis to make the assumption that he was sick probably led to a feeling of betrayal yeah 100 yeah like he had been lied to with that said it changes the parent and child dynamic from feeling that your parent has your best interests at heart to wondering if you can trust them and I agree with that because I was so traumatized because I could have sw- even though I knew my grandfather was dead I could have sworn I saw him breathing and I, and I told mom, why can't they just get him out of there? He's still alive. Right. And I was 13. So, you know. Right. And
0: on top of that, with with Dennis being so close to his grandfather.
1: exactly.
0: I love sounding like I'm going through puberty again. This is awesome. Um, you know, by doing that, that's, it's going to fuck with you. It is. It's going to fuck
1: with you kind of a lot. Kind of a lot. lot. So. While Dennis is going to do some bad things, Dennis's mom, dude, you're a cunt. Fuck you. Because yeah. I believe if he would have known the truth, he could have worked through that. Totally. But just him thinking that his grandfather's going to come back and then his grandpa doesn't come back and he has to learn on his own that his grandpa's dead. It's a whole new level.
0: Because when you think about what children learn from a young age on. Right. Everybody knows the life cycle. We mm-hmm. have pets that live and die. Right. So you learn about death. Mm-hmm. We know that bugs live and die. Right. We learn about death. We know that fish, we catch them. They're alive. They die. We learn about death.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You can can carry that over even to a loved one, and Dennis is going to cry. Yes. He's going to grieve, and that's natural. Yes. But his mother and his grandmother took that shit away from him, and that's what pissed me off.
1: Yeah, they took away his right to grieve.
0: That pissed me off more than just about fucking anything in this goddamn story. Is they took away his fucking right mm-hmm. and the privilege of grieving somebody he loved.
1: Right. No, totally. I agree with I you. I got to calm down because
0: my voice is already fucked yeah, up your and voice I can't miss too bad you know practice.
1: No, but maybe my prayers will be answered and you won't be able to speak.
0: I'm going to haunt you now. I'm going to tap on your window.
1: I believe you. So Dennis grew even more quiet and withdrawn, simultaneously withdrawing from any affection given to him and becoming increasingly more resentful of affection shown to his siblings. He envied his older brother's perceived popularity, he was closer to his sister than anyone else, and occasionally talking or playing with her, but more frequently taking off to walk along the river without a word. Um, on one such adventure, he w- when he was 10, Dennis almost drowned while being dragged out to sea by the tide. He claimed to have a vision of his grandfather coming to save him. In reality, it was another youth who pulled them out. Shortly after his, mo- his mother moved them out of her parents' house and into a place in the town of Stricken, she no longer had to worry about his safety around the sea. Sometime after Betty met and married a man named Andrew Scott, the two of them would go on to have four more children within four years. How Do, do they not know how that happens?
0: That's what I've said.
1: Denis, Dennis initially found him to be an unfair disciplinarian, but eventually grew to respect him. Dennis, Dennis formed very few friendships growing up. But that harkens back to what we were talking about earlier in the week, about the need for structure, you know? So at first he resented Correct. it, but then it's like, you know what? I need this, you know? So and at some point an old man named wow, Mr. Ironside. Yep. Um she says at some point an old man named Mr. Ironside, an old man. <laughs> had apparently lost his sanity, wandered outside in the middle of the night in his pajamas, fell into the river, and drowned. During a search for him conducted by the town, Dennis and some other children are the ones that found the body. Dennis viewed this body with fascination as it reminded him of his grandfather, Um, which I can see that too. Um, During puberty, Dennis discovered he was gay, which created feelings of confusion and shame um he kept this realization from his highly religious family and few friends and he came to the realization that he was attracted to boys with similar features as his sister mm. Freud? i know how that feels i'm disgusted no <laughs> only by you uh, thinking his attraction stemmed from his affection for her, he fondled her on at least one occasion. Um, Dennis did not seek out relationships with those his own age. While his brother was sleeping, he caressed and fondled his brother. And Olaf Jr. now suspected he was gay and publicly taunted him. Which... Here is another one of your notes or your researchers. This is a good example of what I mentioned earlier. If you cannot trust your parents, then why do you then who do you turn to when you are having feelings that you are told are not right? That's my note. Oh, okay. I figured it was because it was on a psychological level. But yeah, I mean, and I believe as far as Being attracted to boys with similar features to his sister, maybe it's because she was feminine and he was attracted to the feminine quality male, like the twink. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, which I don't believe there was anything like inappropriate there, except for when he thought maybe it was because, you know, and he fondled her. You know what I mean? Totes. So life Strickland was limited in entertainment and job opportunities, though he respected his mother and stepfather's work to provide for their seven children. Holy shit. He did begrudge their unwillingness to better their life lives and rise above poverty. Um, when he was 14, he joined the army cadet force believing the British army would provide him a route to a better future and his academic records were above everything average with an aptitude for history and arts and an aversion to sports, obviously. Nielsen completed school in 1961, taking a job at a cannery as he contemplated his next path. Three weeks later, he enlisted in the Army with a commitment for nine years and the goal of becoming a chef, Um, which that says a lot, too, to me. I mean, you don't, I don't think you have any side notes. I didn't scroll down. No, you didn't. But that just tells me he he's looking for a good way to get out.
0: Right, he doesn't want to follow the. And I can totally relate. Yeah, you know he. I don't even blame him for begrudging his folks because here here he is. He's looking, going, dude. There's so many fucking opportunities out here, Wh- and why you are assholes you settling. settling. Are, yeah, you assholes are sitting here saying, "Hey, it's okay for me to be nothing
1: mediocre." Yeah. Yeah.
0: That You guys are celebrating mediocrity, and he's like, I'm going to rise above that. Fuck you. Fuck him. I'm going to rise above it. I feel aggressive right now because I've been drinking.
1: I would prefer the aggressive than the sappy, disgusting shit I heard last night. Oh, my
0: God. Why do you hate on me because of the relationship that I have?
1: It's not the relationship you have so much as I had to listen to it.
0: Wait till you see how I talk to your mom.
1: No, you are drunk. So, Nelson excelled in With the my army. my tongue. God. Nelson excelled in the army, thriving on the travel, opportunities, and companionship that he found there, all the while keeping his sexual orientation a secret, showing separately as to av- showering separately as to avoid getting an erection around his colleagues and to afford the ability to masturbate in private, which, consider the time. That's still when it was very highly frowned upon.
0: Maybe so, even been a criminal act.
1: But in the UK too? I think so. Okay. See, I don't know. I can't remember. So I knew it was here, but I didn't, I didn't know because I was in the 60s. So yeah, it may have been. Uh, Mid 1964, Nilsson passed his entry catering exam and officially was posted as a private in West Germany.
0: He was playing with his privates.
1: His alcoholics. German
0: privates. Drunk German privates. Oh yeah, touch me that way, Mister Dennis. Yeah, you're hot enough to be a cook. Oh my God, I have nothing more. I am your filet mignon of love.
1: I'm sorry for letting the intern give him so many shots, people. Bartender, <laughs> his, alcohol, his alcohol his <laughs> alcohol intake increased as he used it as a tool to overcome his shyness. Okay. Nilsson recalls how he and another German youth drank themselves into a stupor, and he awoke on the floor of the young man's flat. Although nothing had occurred, it inspired fantasies of his partner being unconscious or dead. Sounds like Dahmer.
0: I actually read through this whole one. That's why I'm just so sad.
1: Yeah, what did I do with it? Oh, okay. Yeah, that one right there. Um, yes, please. So... After drinking with his fellow soldiers, he would often pretend to be unconscious in hopes of being taken advantage of. Oh, my God. Seriously? Okay. Sounds like me. He, he, it is kind of you. <laughs> After...
0: <laughs> oh God. This is going to be a fun episode. I'm just saying. It is
1: only because I don't know what's coming next. and That's I'm just... why this
0: is a fun episode. I love this. I, I This is going to be one of my favorites. and I, I know it.
1: It would have been better if you could present it and I was listening to you. But no, just because I don't know what's coming next, I'm like, oh, my God. So after two years serving in Germany, Nelson passed his official catering exam and was deployed as a cook. In 1967, he was posted as a cook at Al-Mansura prison. And this was his most dangerous assignment yet. Ambushes occurred between the prison and the barracks. And he was kidnapped by an Arab taxi driver, beaten and locked in the trunk. Nilsson was able to defend himself with a jack handle while being dragged from the trunk. And he beat his attacker and locked the man in the trunk. What a
0: pussy, man. I call that Tuesday.
1: That's foreplay.
0: That's what that is. That's That's why you're
1: no longer allowed to have a sleeper cab. That's all I'm saying. That's why I'm
0: not allowed to call taxi services anymore. (laughs) Or or Uber. (laughs) Uber.
1: Aren't we horrible? That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are horrible. I can't help myself. Um, this posting provided Nilsen with his own room, which able, enabled him freedom to develop his fantasies. He would coat his... Oh, my God. He would coat his body in talcum powder, mm-hmm. blew his lips position the mirror where his head was out of view while watching himself masturbate, alternating between the dominant and passive roles with images inspired by the painting of the Raft of Medusa. Mm -hmm. Who does that one? Which shows an old man holding a limp, naked body of a young man while sitting next to a dismembered corpse of another man. Oh, okay.
0: Like I said, I call that Tuesday.
1: His favorite fantasy being of an attractive blonde soldier whose dead body is being washed by a dirty, gray-haired old man (laughs) before engaging in intercourse with his corpse-spread eagle. Oh, my God. Remember,
0: y'all, you got to pay extra for that in Thailand. I'm just saying, that is... That's that is funny. a whole like no, two cause American extra. When I extra. first
1: started reading that part, I was thinking "Silence of the Lambs" because <laughs> you know Wild Bill did that, Buffalo Bill, you know the mirror and all that shit. But oh my god, I just don't know what to say. Um, in that one year, I refuse to mention. Nilsson was transferred to Cyprus, where he had his first sexual experience with a female. Though this encounter with a prostitute he bragged about to his peers, he in truth found the experience, quote, overrated and depressing. I would think sex with a hooker would be depressing anyways, because there's no emotion. You know what I mean? True.
0: I'll give it that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've never been a hooker, nor have I had sex with one, so I don't know. In 1972, after 11 years of service, Nilsson left the Army. He briefly moved back in with his family while he decided what came next. And Betty, his mother, lamented his lack of female companionship, pestering him to get married and start a family. I'm not getting younger, and I want grandkids. And we've all heard that. No, I haven't. My mom was fine with me having them when I did.
0: And your mom's happy she can't have kids anymore. Trust me. She told me so.
1: Yeah, because she sure don't want to give birth to another one of me. (laughs) Or the horse... Never mind, I can't say that in case she's a listener.
0: <laughs> Don't remember, say it either. When I remember you're down with oil.
1: That's disgusting.
0: Cross her buttocks. Flavored oil. So I can lick it off.
1: You're fucking gross. I need to, <laughs> I need to call Maritza and talk to her.
0: <laughs> I would probably lick oil off of my ex-wife, too.
1: I'm just saying I need to call her and talk to her because, you know... She knows what I go through every day.
0: (laughs) I actually feel bad for Marissa sometimes, but she's fucking, she's phenomenally awesome.
1: She's awesome. I love her.
0: That's why her and I have remained super close friends for 30 fucking years.
1: (laughs) I love her. You just don't even know how much I appreciate her. She made my day. So, (laughs) Nelson joined his brother, sister-in-law, and another couple watching a documentary on gay men. Um, While everyone else viewed the issue with distaste, he spoke in favor of gay rights. Olav Jr. used this uh, Opportunity to out him to his family, and Nilsson never spoke to his brother again and maintained limited contact with the rest of the family. Which I got to say, you don't have a side note here, but that's fucked up. It is that's, that's, because that's, it's your yeah, choice yeah. to make that decision with when and who you let know when. Exactly. You know, don't do it for somebody. Um, in April 1973, Nilsson joined the Metropolitan Police and moved to London. Though his employees found his attendance was spotty, he was a hard worker who frequently put in extra hours.
0: Except he rolled down the road going, "Woo, pull over. <laughs> Jesus Christ, how can you wear On that his shirt bike? With
1: those slacks? On ching,
0: ching. <laughs> ching, 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 pull over. Oh, my God, who dressed you? Like, like, for real. No, no, come here. Honey, honey, come here. Come here.
1: I'm the fashion police.
0: Your shirt is
1: hideous. <laughs> it doesn't Your go with mother? those jeans.
0: Your mother would be so embarrassed. We have to dress you. Jesus fucking
1: Christ. You are alienating so many of our listeners right now. Okay,
0: look, unlike Tammy over here, I have more than one gay friend.
1: Um, I have way more than one, but okay. You have
0: one black friend, you have one gay friend because you have to keep up appearances that you're not racist. Hence
1: mm-hmm. the reason why I have Oh wait, one fat friend.
0: Oh, you're fucked up. Gotta hate you. <laughs>
1: you love me and you know it. <laughs> Ever. I swear
0: to God, our listeners are really seriously <laughs> publishing. They're going, why did they even work together? He's an asshole, and she hates him. Enough. Truth be known, we, I actually love Tammy a lot. My, yeah. I, I've said this on previous episodes. My life would not function without her because she's not just my co-host. She's my executive assistant. And my life would fucking seriously cease. Yeah, and people don't damn. understand
1: that you're my work husband, so we're... I mean, our mutual friend made a comment one time because he called when I was over here. He goes, you sound like an old married couple. I said, because we are. The only <laughs> difference is, is I don't get half of everything he owns when and if we ever separate. So he can't get rid of me.
0: And and, and we don't have sex. There's no yeah, there's that's sexual true. thing, nothing like that. But we, yeah, I think we are we're like a married couple Yeah. that... um. We're like a married swinger couple is what it is.
1: Well, and we know so much about each other and we have so much in common and, you know, and I told you this the other day that my friend who's sick, um, right. she told me that she was glad that I found you when I did because she, you know, she has an easier time, you know what I mean with her sickness and everything. Cause she has stage four cancer. Um, But I told her I said that doesn't mean you can leave me. And she goes, Oh no, I don't want to do that. She just she goes, I just don't I don't want to leave you alone. No, no, it's true. You know, because you are kind of, you know, my female version of her. Well, that makes sense. I got the tits to prove it. You do. (laughs) Not quite like hers, but yeah, you do. Like because I don't have (laughs) inverted.
0: Nobody needs to know. Like I've always said, you know, I remember talking to Maritza about this because she said, "Should I get a boob lift? Because I'm getting older and my boobs are sagging." I said, "Huh? Ah, look, look here, woman. You're 48 years old. Your boobs are supposed to sag a little bit. It's supposed to happen. That's natural. You know, it's not natural. You know, you're not supposed to have boobs that that look like they're like you're a 25 year old. Yeah. What's not natural is being a 48 year old man." And having the boobs of a 25 year old. I'm not natural. I got to lose my boobs, is what I'm saying. Yeah,
1: you kind of do. My tits are fucking perky. Yeah, I do have that picture of you with my bra on your head, but you should have been wearing it normally. I need the
0: support. What can I say? I don't want mine to sag either. <laughs> <laughs> Be mad at me because I, per- no. I got perky boobies.
1: No, no, you know. So, in, oh, wait, I already read that. Hang on. Ah, bah, 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 bah. Okay. Nilsen discovered a fascination in visiting morgue in, in visiting the morgue to view autopsy bodies. Um, so does Scott. Though he enjoyed the work, Nielsen did miss the companionship the army had and by default provided. Being a quiet, reserved, kind of odd man, his co-workers had no interest in developing an outside work friendship. Um, thus after work hours he was left to his own devices to relieve the loneliness Nielsen frequently visited gay pubs in search for some kind of interaction largely looking more for conversation than sex but in hopes of developing a relationship this was a self-described a self-described quote vain search for inner peace um which i kind of see that a lot with our dating apps now right you know what i mean it's we people go on dating apps like Tinder and Grinder and stuff, hoping to find the one. No,
0: <laughs> no, no.
1: I mean, there might be a possibility, but no. Here's the thing: that you I've can't noticed. go on a date thinking, "Oh, this is going to be the one."
0: Like, but when I was out chasing tail, and 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 what have you. So, on. just last night. Yeah, just last night. Uh, what
1: I've noticed on dating apps over the last
0: like ten years, especially, is every chick says the same thing. The, I want a guy with a sense of humor who's funny and successful. And so you get somebody who has a sense of humor and is funny and is successful. Then they go, "Oh, you're a little too intense." Like, I can't introduce you to my friends. Then what you want is somebody who's not
1: me. What they want is somebody who coward, like, um, is subservient to them. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. See, I would have a problem. Actually, no. I was going to say I would have a problem introducing you to the rest of my family, but I think I would do it just for the shock value because I don't give a shit what they think. And that's the point of life that I'm at. Like, mm-hmm. seriously.
0: And I found this especially when I was uh, dating chicks that are under thirty. Um. A lot of them sit there at first and they'll be like, oh my God, I love your sense of humor and that's why basically I want you to bang me, which is great. Got No problem with that, okay? Until recently because now it bothers me a lot. But um, we'll get into that. Um, Until, you know, I really can't introduce you to my friends because you're a pretty intense guy and your jokes are really off-colored, but you're funny to me. Well, this is me. This is me on air. This is me in business meetings. That's why I have to have, I've, I've had to have a handler in the past. This is me in my regular fucking life. This is me shopping for groceries. Ask my son. We were shopping, and I am fucking talking to people who work at Walmart. I believe you. Because I do. I get a wild hair up my ass. And I talk to people.
1: I've been with you at Office Depot. I know what this is like. I I've been with you at offices. the liquor store to buy wine. I mm-hmm. know what you are like.
0: Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a very, I'm a super outgoing person. I will
1: never forget that woman following us around Office Depot. And I told you she was following you so she could get a picture of you so that she knew who to avoid later.
0: <laughs> and yeah.
1: Because Scott was the one on the other side of the store going, Squatch! Squash, where are you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had to find you, man. It's like playing
1: Marco (laughs) Polo. It's like, dude, I am over here. Shut up. Here's the reason. Okay, so believe
0: it or not, for our listeners out here, a little history on Scotty. I used to be a very, very, very shy person. Very introverted. No, I can believe it. No, I really was. I was super shy, and that's because of the way that I was Mm -hmm. raised in that abusive environment. Then, one day, I had to- I'm looking through my bag of tricks and I noticed that there was no fucks left. (laughs) So I had no fucks left to give. And I looked down at my fuck field and said, huh, that's barren.
1: I can't even pick a fuck right now. Yeah, I can't
0: pick a fuck if I wanted one. And I'm I'm at that point, at 48 years old, I really don't give a shit. Yeah. I do not give a flying shit or fuck about anything. Yeah. I go and I do my goddamn job and I come home and I live my life the way that I want.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's just the bottom line of it. Well,
1: and... You know, but at the same time, you're not dis- overly disrespectful to people either.
0: No, no. So the yesterday when we were shopping, I think Jake tried to call me out because we're getting ready to leave. And this My son does too chick way. named Tara says, have a nice day. And I stopped. The, no, Tara, you have a nice day. You want to know why? And I looked at us. Look out here, Jake. Just deal with all these assholes. <laughs> all these assholes right here. So well, I have to go to customer service later. I go, that's even worse. Now you're dealing with people coming up there directly to bitch. You know why they're in line. You know why they're in line. They're going to bitch about something. And she goes, quit flirting. I'm not flirting. I'm just trying to give her a good day. And that's then we funny. left. I was happy. Yeah. You know. Made her laugh. her. He you know, is yeah. one of those assholes. I am one of those assholes. <laughs> Except I'll go up and I'll make jokes and... Still do my complaint and get a whole lot done because then they smile and they laugh and they go, Okay, let's help you out. I'll do yeah. anything for you. Yeah. Type you know. of thing. It's beautiful.
1: Whatever. Yeah. Party! So um a guy, named, a guy by the name of David Painter, whom Nelson had met through work, claimed Nelson had taken pictures of him while he slept. He went to the police, but though they investigated, no charges were filed. Painter was so distraught over the incident, he required hospitalization. Seriously?
0: I read that myself, and I thought to myself, dude, Painter, you are a pussy. Like, Somebody seriously. took pictures of you
1: while you were sleeping, and you had to be hospitalized for distress?
0: Well, you know, I, I heard a story. I really did. Um, I heard that Nelson was at work one day and said, "Hey, you know, it'd be nice if we had a little pussy around here, and the next day painter showed up." <laughs>
1: Yeah, I thought you were being serious,
0: <laughs> and then
1: you you know you spoke. Um, Ta da! While on duty, Nelson discovered a gay couple having sex in a car and could not bring himself to arrest them. Oh, push it harder! Which he was legally required to do. So this does yes. say that it was illegal.
0: Correct, correct. So this Sodomy combined with a public.
1: yeah, this combined with a failed relationship with an unknown individual led Nelson to believe his job and his lifestyle were in conflict, and he quit. Which I understand that. Mm-hmm. So after leaving the police, (laughs) Nilsson did find minor work as a security guard for a brief time, but largely found himself becoming quickly poor, resigning himself to the need to file for assistance with the English Civil Service. What he got instead was a job offer. Nilsen took the job and helped unskilled workers find employment. Nelson again, often put in extra hours, including unpaid assignments, relishing in the opportunity and responsibility it provided. He would keep this job until he was arrested. So that, again, tells me his work ethic.
0: I was going to say, his work ethic is fucking on point, okay? Yeah. So I, can't, I can't shirk him of that at all. The man has some fucking serious work ethic.
1: Yeah. So in 1975... Nelson encountered a 20-year-old man who was being threatened outside a pub by the name of David Gallachan, and Nelson interfered. Then took him back to the room he was renting. Upon learning Gallachan was new to London and gay, unemployed and renting a room at a hospi- hostel, they decided, "Hey, I know this sounds crazy. We just met. Why not move in together?" <laughs> this is crazy. But here's my number. Call me, baby. <laughs> Sorry.
0: That's disturbing.
1: It was a little bit, but it was funny. So we can pool our resources and get a bigger place. What could go wrong? What could go wrong, Scott? Nothing.
0: It sounds like a great idea to me personally. Yeah, at the time, two yeah. gay guys, apartment, little BDSM, little poop pushing. They're fine. Little, buck- little pushing in the stool. Yeah, that's right. Little backdoor burglary. They're fine. Oh my
1: God. So, shortly before they met, Nelson's deadbeat biologic father had died, leaving his three children 1,000 pounds, which is likely the most he'd provided his children in the entirety of their lives, which I can see. So, Nelson and Gallatin found a flat at 195 Melrose Avenue. Oh, they lived on Melrose Place. Nelson negotiated with the landlord to have exclusive rights to the garden behind the residence. Initially, things were copacetic. That's a big word, Scott. That's your researcher's word. That's my
0: researcher's word. I was masturbating when she was doing that to granny porn.
1: To copacetic? Yeah. That Mm. just grossed me out a little bit.
0: I I was thinking about your mom and taking her from behind and her saying, be copacetic with me. Rub me down with oil.
1: And now people know why they no longer hear from you. Um, Nilsen worked while Galichan decorated the largely unfurnished place. They adopted a dog who they they named him Bleep.
0: Yep, I love that name.
1: Because it was better than what? Fuck? Shit? Damn? (laughs) Nilsson logically viewed himself as the main breadwinner as Galichan maintained unemployment. The relationship rarely, if at all, sexual. As the relationship grew more and more strained, each of them brought back an increasing number of casual partners. Gallatin states Nilsson was never physically violent, but was often verbally abusive. In 1977, during a heated argument, Nilsson demanded Gallatin move out, which Gallatin in turn used to exit the relationship. Um, newly single, Nilsson spiraled along a path of casual encounters and attempt to find a replacement relationship. Unfortunately, none were interested in anything beyond a quick fling, culminating in Nilsson deeming himself unfit to live with and throwing himself further into work, alcohol, and music. Oh, my God. Yeah, sigh!
0: it's me, baby. Big, gay, and musical.
1: No, but other than the gay part, that is totally you. Mm-hmm. December 30th, 1978, the day it all began. Suffering from extreme depression from spending the holidays alone, Nilsen decided he just had to go out. He encountered Stephen Holmes, who recently attended a concert and had failed to purchase alcohol afterwards. Party foul. Nilsen invited him back to his flat with the promise of alcohol and music.
0: And a little fingering.
1: They drank heavily until they passed out. Upon awakening, Nilsen cautiously caressed Holmes in order to not wake him. Gazing upon his sleeping form, Nilsen decided he just did not want Holmes to leave. Ever. Oh, my God. It yeah, is Dahmer. It's me. Nilsen grabbed a tie and straggled Holmes until he was certain he was unconscious, drowned him in a bucket of water, washed his body in the bathtub, then placed him on the bed. Nilsen caressed his body while masturbating twice. Once...
0: Shh, I'm masturbating over here once. I'm, I'm catching up.
1: Once rigor mortis set in, he stored the body under the floorboards for almost eight months before burning the body in a bonfire built in the garden. In the first of what would be three bonfires. Yeah. He burned a tire each time to mask the scent. That'll do it. Almost
0: burning on an open fire. Nasty pictures of his toes. (laughs) I'm masturbating one more time. As it shows, as it shows, as it shows. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: <laughs> I have no words.
0: This is what you get for letting me drink. I can't,
1: I'm, I'm regretting it.
0: I can't be left unsupervised.
1: Obviously. God damn it. In at least one instance, the neighborhood kids watched as the fire burned. Hey, now, kids,
0: gather around for a great
1: sight. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so let me say here, um, Nilsson does give a description of it. He goes, I eased him into his new bed and in parentheses beneath the floorboards. A week later, I wondered whether his body had changed at all or had started to decompose, so I disinterred him and pulled the dirt-stained youth up onto the floor. His skin was very dirty. I stripped myself naked and carried him into the bathroom and washed the body. There was practically no discoloration, and his skin was pale white. His limbs were more relaxed than when I had put him down there.
0: Oh, young love. I'm so
1: grossed out right now.
0: So, I got a tear in my eye. That's so romantic. Oh, my God. I
1: don't know Why are you do? never that romantic with me, whore? I I'm, I'm just don't know what to do with myself. On October 11, <laughs> 1979, Nelson lured Andrew... You know which one this is, don't you? Lord Andrew Ho from Hong Kong from a pub with the promise of sex. (laughs) Nilsson attempts to strangle him, but Ho manages to escape and reports him to the police.
0: Excuse me, I have a Ho out of control.
1: (laughs) Police investigate, but Ho decides to not press charges. Two minutes later. No pressing (laughs) Ho. Two months later, you extra encounters a Canadian student a, named Kenneth Ockenden at a pub. Nilsen offered to show him the sights of London, and Ockenden unsurprisingly took him up on the offer. Later, Nilsen suggested a meal and drinks at his place. After a stop at a liquor store for rum, whiskey, and beer, they went back to Nelson's flat. While using Nilsen's headphones to listen to music, Nilsen strangled Ockenden with the cord, and then he poured himself a glass of rum and sipped on it, listening to music with the headphones he just murdered a man with. Hey, you know.
0: Hey, next- recycling. That's what That's that right. is. That's fucking recycling. Don't hold that against they my boy. Some fuck good headphones, damn it. That's right. He's got his priorities straight, god damn it.
1: The next day, he purchased a Polaroid camera, took suggestive photos of the corpse, spread the body on the bed, and watched TV, with him while drinking.
0: Yeah. Oh
1: my God, I'm so grossed out. <sighs> oh, right, my Scott, stop that. rubbing your nipples. Yeah. People don't understand what I deal with. And it's this the veil
0: vodka, man. It's not my fault. This was the, the beginning the of a pattern
1: Bell. of washing his victims' bodies, shaving them, applying makeup to any noticeable blemishes, and dressing them in socks and underwear. <gasps> well, at least he's covering them. <laughs> and,
0: well, yeah, you don't want to be lewd.
1: On May 17th, 1980, that's, oh no, May 5th was when the Mount Hood, Mount St. Helens erupted. Um, 16-year-old Martin Duffy had hitchhiked to London and Duffy was questioned by British transport police regarding his obviously unpaid fare and now, and was now essentially stuck there. He was forced to spend the night at the station. Nilsson encountered him at the station on his way home from a union conference Duffy was hungry, tired, and almost certainly cold. Thus, the offer of a hot meal and a place to stay for the night was an enticing offer and too good to pass up.
0: Way too good. Want to a yeah. cuddle?
1: Once Duffy had fallen asleep on his bed, Nilsen strangled him with a ligature until he was unconscious, dragged his body into the kitchen, and drowned him in the sink. Placed his body in the armchair initially, but later returned him to the bed where he kissed, complimented his body before and after masturbating while straggling his body. Nilsen stored Duffy in a cabinet until he noticed the body start to bloat. And then under the floorboards, he went. Later, he would dissect the bodies in the bathtub, boil the skin off the heads, and put the remaining parts in a couple suitcases purchased solely for that purpose.
0: I love the look on your face. I'm so glad you're doing this instead of me. Because now was, you can
1: see my face?
0: I was a little sad that my voice is going out and that I couldn't do this one. But seeing your look on your face, this is YouTube time. We should be recording this for the YouTube channel. Yeah, just like, for real. Know. I'm
1: just like, oh, my God. So he just bought suitcases amazing. just to put bodies in.
0: Hey, man, they're going on a trip.
1: <laughs>
0: Not where you think, but they're going on a Somewhere. trip.
1: Um. Hmm. So Nelson killed with an increased frequency after this. William Billy Sutherland, allegedly a male prostitute, would become the only vi- victim identified from this period. Nilsen could not recall the specifics of on the individuals. He could, however, recall the actual act of killing his victims. Um, in January, a young Scottish man was lured back with the promise of a drinking game, and Nilsson strangled him with a tie and added him to... Added him to his collection under the floorboards, like he's a fucking shot glass.
0: Hey, hey, hey! Don't judge my boy, Dennis, bitch.
1: Okay, not judging.
0: You judging? You be all judgy over there. And I am shit. judging. Man, Dennis had his shit going on. He knew what he liked. He's jacking off on top of dead bodies, which is bizarre. But hey. <laughs>
1: And boiling their heads and storing, yeah, no.
0: Hey, look, every guy likes a little hot head, okay? I'm just saying. He just took it to a way different extreme.
1: Way different extreme. <laughs> okay. Now, um now, in January, a young Scottish man was lured back with the, oh, I already said that one. As, um, as his frenzy of killings increased, his ability to distinguish the details lessened. Nilsson did remember killing an unknown male prostitute from either the Philippines or Thailand. Makes sense.
0: And it makes sense because he didn't want to have to pay extra for that shit. I totally get it, Dennis. I totally get it. I get it. And she I... doesn't. This whore over here doesn't. But I do. I got oh your back God. there, buddy. I'm a whore, got whore you back. again. You a hoe.
1: I am not a whore.
0: Fine. Whatever.
1: An English an Irish laborer from Belfast in February. He met in a pub. A hippie type found in a sleeping bag in a nearby doorway.
0: Oh, Ain't okay. nothing wrong with killing the goddamn hippies. An
1: individual whom Nilsen couldn't recall any details at all about.
0: But he knew he had a big pecker.
1: Uh, he didn't say that here, <laughs> oh. but okay. In April he encountered a skinhead who had a neck tattoo saying cut here on his neck. He probably did. Okay, hold
0: on. This one here, I was agree Was asking with. for it? Yes. He I, said- think it, I think it says so in, in, in the notes too, but no, he's a skinhead. He's like a neo-Nazi. I totally condone this one.
1: <laughs> oh, anyways, he added to the irony by boasting about how tough he was. Intoxicated, he proved no match for Nilsson. He hung his torso in his bathroom for twenty four hours before sending him to his favorite hidey place below the floorboards in a plastic bag. Hiding right. place. Not hiding. Heidi. Yeah.
0: Shows how tough that skinhead was, huh? Racist bastard. With a
1: cut here, so he's like basically giving him directions. No,
0: uh, and seriously, like as much of an asshole as I am, and I do make jokes about every race, I'm not a fucking racist. I fucking hate racists. Hate them. And uh, by the way, I don't care what fucking color you are. If you're black, you're white, you're Asian, it doesn't fucking matter. A racist is a racist. They come, they come in all flavors, guys. All flavors. So if you're judging somebody by the color of their skin, and you say, but I can't be a racist because I'm this color or that, No. You're a racist.
1: Yeah. Go piss racism on yourself. Because by definition, is disparaging any other race other than your own.
0: Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I make fun of white people. I make fun of black people. I make fun of everybody. But it's all in good fun. I'm not you out there. You make fun
1: of dogs. You make fun of cats. I
0: especially make fun of my retarded ass freaking dog.
1: Dude, I still see some tinfoil over there on the floor, I think.
0: Can I tell that story real fast? I
1: don't care. Okay. Go because ahead. Because I'm half
0: drunk. I what? love that fucking vodka. Vail Vodka, you guys are going to make me back into an alcoholic. It's going to be great. So, my son and I, we go out shopping yesterday, and we have to hit a couple places, one of them being the liquor store. And we're gone for a few hours. I forgot to pull everything out of my lunch bag. Mm-hmm. I come home. The dog is on the couch. There's tin foil from some uh, salmon that I had spread. Ooh. She looks she's up at me. She's not sick then. She looks up at me like, Oh. You're back early. You and don't stress this. And she stretches <laughs> out to, like, to cover it all out, like nonchalantly. Like, oh, look at this big stretch because I know you don't. Oh, see this? Covering shit. up her mistake. Yeah, and what have not. And looking at me, wagging her tail, like, so how was your day? I'm like, you know that I fucking saw that, right? You didn't see shit.
1: This is not the tinfoil you are looking for. Oh, she
0: thought she can mind, tr- uh, mind uh Jedi mind check. this isn't the, the tinfoil and garbage you're looking for. Like, I'm going to walk away. I'm like, no, I'm a better fucking Jedi than you, motherfucker. <laughs>
1: You know what the sad part is? As much as she makes me mad because she doesn't like my ghost eat, she cracks me the fuck up.
0: Jake was pissed. I was not. As, actually, it's, it's my fault because I should have cleaned up my lunch bag.
1: Yeah. Well, see, and I say that, too, because if I don't put the garbage up and everything, it's my fault for leaving it down because yeah, I know
0: them. Totally my fault. Yeah. That's our story from yesterday. Yeah. All right. You may continue. I'm over here ready to masturbate just thinking about Dennis and his floorboards.
1: Okay, so here is Dennis's com- – or maybe it's yours. End of the day – end of end of the drink end of a person floorboards back carpet replaced and back to work at Denmark street
0: that's his that's not mine oh, okay. I, I wouldn't say shit it didn't like
1: that not say de- it didn't say him so in may nilsen removed the organs of his victims and disposed of them in the wasteland nearby and with his household garbage you know where else should visor go Nilsen's final victim at Melrose Avenue was 23-year-old Malcolm Barlow, whom he conveniently found propped up against the wall of his residence due to epilepsy causing weakness in his legs. Now, Nilsen convinced him he ought to be in the hospital and helped him inside to await an ambulance. Um, Surprisingly, though, this is not when he was killed. The ambulance arrived and safely took Barlow away. The next day, Barlow came by to say thank you. Nilson, Thank you for
0: saving my life, crazy serial killer guy. Yeah.
1: Nilsen used the tried and true offer of a meal and a drink. And we all know where this is headed. Sure enough, as soon as Barlow fell asleep from the consumption of alcohol, Nilsen strangled him with his bare hands and stuffed him, oh, this time under the kitchen sink, saying he was out of room under the floorboards.
0: He was. Sad, huh? Sad. So- Sad when a motherfucker runs out of room in a bigger apartment. Uh,
1: oh, Nilsson had developed the habit of spraying his household twice a day to get rid of the bugs. You think? Leaving the windows open at all times and convinced his neighbors the smell was due to structural issues.
0: Damn structural issues, all smelling and shit. The
1: landlord felt he was a troublesome tenant. No clue how correct that feeling was. He offered Nelson 1,000 pounds to move in mid-1981 under the guise of wanting to remodel. Oh, shit. Uh Uh-oh, all these bodies under the floorboards. (laughs) Good thing four of them are already dismembered. After dismembering Barlow, Nelson disposed of them using the good old bonfire. Uh Uh-oh. Cookout time. <laughs> when You're I like, read that, uh-oh, I was just like, uh-oh. <laughs>
0: That's why I like being researcher.
1: Yeah, uh-oh. Um, Nilsson moved to 23 Cranley Gardens after that, which was an attic flat in a rundown building. The flat was grimy, the stove caked in grease huh, from previous tenants, and the <laughs> oven was unusable. Well, he didn't <laughs> need to cook in it. He just needed to store in it, right? With a rotating cast of tenants, the landlord had no shits to give regarding the condition of the building. Is that your researchers, too? That's my
0: researchers, too. But think about it, man. You're living in the slums, and you know, you're know you kind of nefarious and kind of fucked up yourself. The The landlord knows that you're not legit, right? Yeah. So is you think he's going to give— If you're going to
1: settle for that place, you know you're not legit.
0: Yeah. You think he's going to give two fucks yeah. about cleaning that place? Yeah. Knowing that, hey, this is probably this motherfucker's only option. No. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit. He knows that you're probably a criminal and a fuck-up.
1: Yeah. If at the least, a drug addict.
0: Right. At you know? the least. It's, it's not like you or I. Like, if we walked into a place and did our, our initial walkthrough and looked and saw anything, like a scratch on the wall, I'd be like, um, hey, 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 you fix that shit. Yeah. Before I move my shit in. Well,
1: before we moved in, they didn't have the cleaning crew come in. So I negotiated off my rent. To I said, I'll clean it if you take this off my rent.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. That'd be fair enough. But if I see anything, any place that I, it, it, even if I'm buying a property, mm-hmm. if I walk through and I see, because I've bought many houses before and I've done this to real estate agents, I've done my walkthrough, looked at, hey, there's a little gouge in that paint right there. You can barely see it. It doesn't matter. I'm paying you X amount of dollars. You get that shit fixed, or I'm not signing shit. But, but there's no buts. You want a butt? That's fine. I won't. I won't sign. It's, it's as easy as that because you don't own me, bitch. It might take
1: you when I go this buy is, a this. House. Was
0: actually my words, words when I bought my house in, in Bend, because it was it was a million dollar home. Um, I, I looked at. and said, "Look here, you don't own me, bitch." I'm paying you a million dollars for this fucking house. Everything better be perfect. That little scuff right there, shit better be fucking fixed. Now, when you get that shit fixed, you fucking call me. This is the bad me. This is the asshole me that comes out.
1: Oh, this is bam.
0: Oh, yeah, this is bam. Before anger management. I said, when that shit gets fixed, you fucking call me. I'll do another walkthrough. But if I do a second walkthrough and I see anything fucked up, You can kiss my ass. I will find another realtor and I'll buy another house because somebody's going to get this commission. It's either going to be you or it's going to be somebody else. But you're talking a million dollars, a million bucks when the average house went at the time for like 150, 200,000. Right. I'm spending a million dollars. That bitch better be fucking perfect. Perfect in every fucking way. Was it? When I went back to buy that house, guess what? everything, down to the garden. You wouldn't see a weed in the yard. Well, not you know. a scuff anywhere. But you're talking, I'm paying ten times more than the average house. Right. So, you know, I want to get my money's worth. I don't want to have to come and go, oh, I'll do that myself. No. It's not my fucking job. Do I look like a fucking contractor? No. I'm not a contractor. That's why I know contractors. <laughs> exactly. I'm a goddamn musician for fuck's mm-hmm. sakes. You know, I do everything in entertainment. I'm not a contractor. On my business license, it doesn't say contractor. No, it doesn't. I do everything in entertainment.
1: You're mean.
0: I am a total dick when it comes to purchasing huge items. I believe you. Because I'm not going to give up my money for nothing. Because uh, so many people. And, and you're tricked for free. This is a little tip for anybody out there. If you're buying a car, a house, anything. If you see something wrong. Don't let them bully you into fucking signing. Yeah. Because it's your signature that's going to make them money. Mm-hmm. It's an, you know It has to be equal. If you see something you don't like, don't sign that bitch. Yeah. Don't sign it. Get what you want. Because yeah. you're in control. They're not. The salesperson's not in control. The realtor's not in control. The car salesman's not in control. You are. It's your money. Use it wisely.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with you.
0: I love getting all boozed up because that way there I can be a prick.
1: Honey, you're a prick anyways. I am, a little bit. So this location provided him with no ability to hide bodies under the floorboards or in a non-existing garden. <clears throat> this really put a damper on his hobby of murder. For almost two whole months, he went without attacking anyone. Oh, poor guy. Aren't we all proud of him?
0: <laughs> he got his two-month chip from uh, from K.A. Uh, K. K. Yep, Killers Anonymous.
1: On November. Hi,
0: 10th. my name's Dennis, and I'm a serial killer. Hi, Dennis. It's been two months since I stuffed anybody up beneath my floor, boards, and everybody's like, good job. Or boiled their heads. Or boiled their heads. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. You're inspirational. Jesus Christ. Hold on. I got to cry. How do you Bill, do it? Bill, Bill, get him! It's too much. Jesus Christ, This is too much for me to even handle. That's amazing, Dennis. Oh my God! Tell us your story. So I moved into this new flat. It was like on the top floor. The place is pretty fucked up, and I didn't really have to have. But the he could have stored him in the oven. I tried to store him in the oven, but you know, you, you kick and you push and you dismember. You only get so many bodies. You only get in Hansel
1: and, and Gretel in there. I tried to
0: Hansel and Gretel at that bitch, but he wouldn't fit in there. Oh brother, we hear you. The struggle's real. The struggle's real. I know, man. Who is that back there? Fred? Yeah, Fred. I feel you, brother. No, oh oh, I see where he's coming from. Yeah.
1: I, Dennis? God damn. I'm Got never getting drunk before we do an episode again.
0: I'm going to take another shot. So November
1: 23rd, 1981, Nilsson attempted to strangle Paul Not. Knobs. But he man- tried to
0: choke his knob,
1: <laughs> but managed to stop himself. Allegedly, this occurred a few more times with unknown individuals who did not come forward. I know. Um, in March 1982, Nilsson encountered John Howlett while drinking in a pub. Nilsson convinced him to come back to his place to watch a film and drink some more. That era's version of Netflix and chill <laughs> forever. <laughs> I love your researcher. After watching the film, Howlett passed out on the bed, and Nilsson stared at his sleeping form for a while before strangling him with an upholstery strap. Howlett fought back, including trying to strangle his attacker. Three times within 10 minutes, Dennis tried killing his victim, only to discover he was still freaking breathing.
0: You know what that makes me think of? I fought the, sh- the killer.
1: But he killed me anyway. Well, the note here is some people's kids refusing to die. What an asshole. I know he's an asshole. <laughs> Damn it, just die. Get to the
0: dying. At, the,
1: at this point, though, he gave up with strangulation and filled his bathtub and drowned the guy. The whole experience has left Nilsson shaken from the stress of someone actually fighting back and coming close to winning. For a week, Howlett's fingerprints decorated his neck. Oh, like a little necklace. Like a pearl necklace.
0: She wore a pearl necklace. Like ZZ Top? Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're you
1: know badges. what's fucked
0: up is my voice. I have to save it for band practice. And I'm still trying to sing like a fucking idiot.
1: I was going to say, but you don't have band practice again until what? Friday, Saturday? Friday. Oh, okay. Which
0: I have to, I have to uh, send a message to let uh, everybody know that. But anyway, go ahead.
1: So on May 1982, Nilsen met Carl Stotter, a 20-year-old man at, you guessed it, a pub. Stodder was depressed about a failed relationship, and Nilsen invited him back to his place with the promise of, quote, no sex. After being plied with alcohol, Stotter fell asleep on an open sleeping bag. He awoke to Nilsson strangling him and loudly whispering, stay still.
0: I would, have been, I would have been whispering if I was that guy, harder, Daddy.
1: You know what? I probably would have, too. I love doing that
0: shit because my son always says, whoa, what the fuck, Dad?
1: What the fuck's wrong yeah. with you? In his brief moment of consciousness, he thought Nilsson was trying to free him from the sleeping bag.
0: That's right. That's my hero.
1: Yeah, he regained consciousness a second time and realized Nilsen was trying to drown him. He managed to say, please, no more. Thinking Stodder was dead, Nilsen placed his body in the chair. Bleep, the dog <laughs> started licking Stodder's face. Realizing he was alive, Nilsen moved him to the bed, covered him with blankets, and used his body heat to warm, to warm and to, quote, save him. Nilsen spent two days nursing him back to health. When questioned about the experience, Nilsen told him he was mistaken. He hadn't tried to kill him. He'd only tried to rescue him from the sleeping bag after Stotter had a nightmare, dunking him in the bathtub to shock him awake. When Stodder recovered, Nilsen dropped him off at a rail station. What a guy. I just... I. Scott had to get up for a minute, but it's all I can say is, you know what? There's nothing more than you can do than to convince a previously drunk person that they were misguided in their beliefs.
0: Hold on, tap me. Hold on. a story for y'all.
1: Is this a real one or one of your bullshit ones? <sighs> there I was. It's a bullshit one.
0: <laughs> Met my, my third ex-wife, the midget.
1: That was four.
0: One, two, three. you're right. God damn! I know. Did you know my, my divorces?
1: Because I know.
0: So I still remember our wedding song. I went dun, 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 met her at the circus. I was drunk, and she said, know "We when ought you're to get married." <laughs> I said, "No, we shouldn't, because you're an angry little midget."
1: I was drunk, and I didn't even know her name.
0: I thought for sure that, like, if you married somebody that was a midget, they'd make you like Keeper cookies and candies, like the Oompa Loompas. That's not the case. They're angry. They're very angry and they bite. They bite hard. My ankles had bite marks on them for years. Sometimes they needed stitches. So I can relate to that. I can totally relate. Carry on, my wayward son.
1: Don't you cry no more.
0: (laughs) I cried a lot.
1: In June of 1982, Nilsen encountered Graham Allen, attempting to hail a taxi. He invited him home for a meal and strangled Allen while he ate an omelet. How rude. At least wait till he finishes his food.
0: Some bitch. No kidding, man. Dennis, I love you, buddy. You know that I've had you back this whole time. But... Wait till the motherfucker finishes his meal, all right? I'm just saying. That's polite. Be polite. Good manners.
1: Yeah. So after his ritual of bathing the body, he kept Alan in the bathtub for three days as he thought about what to do with him. Nilsson would often forget where he had stored body parts. Here, there, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Once while opening a cabinet, he was knocked to the ground by a pair of legs.
0: That cracked me up. Like, really?
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hold on. I'll be back. (laughs) You like that one?
0: Thank you. That's right. Up by a pair of legs. (laughs) Came out and got him. I've had that problem. (laughs) I've had that problem once or twice. I've been between a couple pairs of legs. (laughs) It damn near almost knocked me out. I've never had him come right out my cabinet, like a rabid, like a rabid raccoon, on the attack.
1: <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls.
0: Yeah, right over there. And I'm and since their guy legs are you they're hairy too, so they look like a lot like a raccoon. They both came out and attacked me. See that? Say. I got a bite mark right here oh. from that leg. <laughs> oh
1: my god, I have nothing more to say to that one. That was funny. <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even go on. So Breathe. On January 26, 1983, Stephen Sinclair became Nelson's final victim. At Nelson's flat, Sinclair fell into a heroin and alcohol-induced stupor. He's on the nod. Nelson fashioned a ligature from a necktie and a rope and said to himself, Oh, Stephen, here I go again. Here I go again that's on that's my that's own. That's Shut up! Uh, I had to
0: read your mind for that one.
1: Going down the only road I've ever known,
0: <laughs>
1: choking <laughs> another guy
0: I never known. <laughs> he was a drifter, but I've got no floorboards of my own.
1: <laughs> this is gonna be another Lucas and Tool episode. It is, <laughs>
0: <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. I can't even go Y'all on Y'all started anymore. thinking that I was taking some shit seriously this week, weren't you? Yeah. Oh, you're fucking no, wrong. No, we hit
1: Friday. So after killing Sinclair, he noticed bandages around his wrists. Removing the bandages, he discovered gashes there. Ironically, Sinclair had attempted to kill himself. That's so sad. Nilsson washed the body, applied talcum powder, arranged three mirrors around... The bed and lay naked next to him. That's Nils- hot. Nelson turned the corpse's head towards him, kissed the forehead, said goodnight, and went to sleep. Aww. Oh.
0: It's like a love story again. True love is hot. Don't you have to find. save your voice? I'm working on it, but I'm half drunk and I know I'm going to regret this in the morning.
1: Nelson stored Sinclair with Howlett in a wardrobe. Tea cabinet, and a drawer beneath the bathtub after dismembering him in the kitchen.
0: Gotta keep him separated.
1: Oh, wait, but he did use the bandages to seal the plastic bags used to store his re- recycling. Recycling,
0: <laughs> Yep, that's what I was saying, recycling right there. I need
1: to recycling read. Recycling one. You know what, I'm regretting not reading through this, but not, but I am.
0: If you're going to murder somebody, use all the parts, including bandages, clothes, <sighs> underwear, testicles, and boil their head.
1: Um, after boiling the heads, hands, and feet, To remove the flesh, Nilsson attempted to flush the flesh, organs, and small bones down the toilet in an ill attempt to dispose of the remains. The building was old, and the pipes just simply were not up to the task of disposing of human remains. Neighbors complained about the smell and how the pipes were starting to back up to the landlord. When someone came to investigate, Nilsson denied them access to his residence because at that point, Sinclair's body was in the kitchen awaiting dismemberment. Nope, you can't. Uh, you can't come in right now. I'm having somebody for dinner. You shall not pass. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, on February 4th, 1983, Nilsson, along with other tenants, wrote a letters of complaint to the landlord, as the communal toilet for the other tenants was backed up. Attempts to use acids to clear the drains proved fruitless. When other toilets were flushed, it threatened to overflow the other. And Nilsson complained, saying that this created an intolerable. Intolerable environment for all. He's just asking to get caught.
0: He is, but I agree with him, man. Your pipe should be able to handle the viscera and bones and everything I'm flushing down. And what the hell's wrong with you, England? Step it up. Man has a, the man has a right.
1: To a flushable toilet.
0: To have a flushable toilet so he can get rid of the goddamn body parts.
1: I just don't even know I'm, where to go right now. I'm
0: offended for him. That's what I am. I'm offended for him. Messed up right there. Where's the talcum powder? I'm gonna rub my body down.
1: Put some blue on your lips.
0: Try so not to blue my lips on out. On February
1: 8, 1983, Michael Catran, a plumber, responded to the complaints regarding the drains. Removing the drain cover, Catran discovered a flesh-like substance and small bones. No, no, no. Excuse me, everybody. No.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, people. No. No! Yeah. Scott lifted up his shirt and his the intern tried it. I don't need to see all that.
0: Oh, I told you No. I told you there's no there's fuckery to be done.
1: Yeah, well, I am like going blind. It's
0: all
1: hair. And nobody needs to see it.
0: That's true. He's hairy like a fucking wilder beast.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, totally, man.
1: Um, I don't have any hair. There. Oh, okay, thank you. So Katran actually called his boss Gary Wheeler. Since it was getting dark, they agreed to investigate in the morning. Nilsson and another tenant, Jim Al- Alcock, stopped by the man. Oh, stop by the manhole. You
0: got it, too, huh? And they stopped by the manhole. That's the part that I love the most. You got that one, too? Yeah! Good Alcock. So Alcock and manholes. So Nilsson Next on Gay
1: porn night. Can somebody please save me? Calgon, take me away. Did they go
0: deep in the manhole? No. (laughs) I bet you they went deep in the manhole.
1: They stopped by the manhole to talk about the discovery. In response to Katran's belief, it may be human flesh. Nilsson commented, It looks to me like someone has been flushing down their Kentucky Fried Chicken. (laughs) I'm never going to eat KFC again. Obviously no
0: black people live in that neighborhood. (laughs) What?! Okay, hold on. In my defense, I'm not even making fun of black people. I just know that my black friends, like when I eat KFC, I leave a little bit of meat on the bone because I don't want to like gnaw it all off. And my black friends will clean that bone like it has been in one of those vats that they use to clean bones.
1: You know what's really weird about that is my brother's father, who's Korean, used to eat chicken bones. What the fuck is he wrong with him? He said it was good for the body.
0: No, no. He did. It's bad for the butthole.
1: Yeah. Well, he did.
0: Because whatever you eat, you got to pass, man. That's got to be like little shards coming out your bunghole.
1: I remember going to it used to be called Wagon the Wagon Something Buffet in um, in Hillsboro, and he used to eat chicken. Bones He's
0: there. got my black friends plural. Beat, beat, one hundred percent.
1: So you have two black friends?
0: I got way more than two, man. Yeah, I got so several I black where... friends. And, but no, but seriously, and, and we've had this discussion before. Like, when I eat chicken, they go, man, why you leave meat up on the bone, up on the knuckles and stuff? Because I don't want to gnaw on it. It's like one little small piece of meat. And I look at them, it looks like those bones are ready to go into an exhibit. <laughs> they are clean.
1: They're white.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, we can reconstruct this whole chicken. <laughs> and like, we can have a whole... Like skeleton. an episode of
1: bones. Yeah, like
0: an episode of bones. So they always laugh at me and I laugh at them. Yeah.
1: So at 730 the next morning, Katran and Wheeler arrived to find the drain cover in a different position and the blockage is cleared. Finding this highly suspicious, they took a closer look. Katran found bits of flesh and small bones. They called the police. Officers arrived, investigated and found four small bones and some scraps of flesh. They took the samples to pathologist David Bowen, who confirmed they were indeed human. And in addition, one piece of flesh showed signs of strangulation. So, Detective Chief Inspector Peter J., <laughs> I hate you. Arrived with two other officers. Learning from other tenants the top flat belonged to Nelson, they waited for him to come home from work. When asked if they could speak to him regarding the pipes, he inquired why officers would be involved in pipes. He inquired if the other officers were from the health department. No, they're officers. We found human remains in the pipes. Nelson feigned shock. Good grief. How awful.
0: It's told- terrible that people do that. Jesus Christ, why does everybody talk to me whenever you find parts of bodies and pipes? You got, yeah. You're you profiling because I'm a, of a different persuasion, so to speak, because I like guys. You're, you're targeting me. That's what's happening, you sons of bitches. You're targeting me.
1: When told to stop messing around and tell them where the rest of the body was, Nielsen calmly said, the wardrobe... He was asked if there were any more body parts. And he goes, it's a long story. I'll tell you everything. I want to get it off my chest. Not here. At the police station. When asked if it was more than one person, he answered 15 or 16 since 1978. You and know, I
0: talked about this before. is Throughout Europe and England and shit like that, the English Isles. Uh, and, and by that, I'm going I'm to include Scotland and Ireland and all that. Here in the States... Somebody could walk into a killer's house and see bodies. No, that's not my memory. I, I, don't, I don't know. They, they appeared. I had a roommate, and they hung these bodies everywhere. I just got home. In Europe and in England, they, they don't even have to see the bodies. bodies. They come, hey. We're pretty sure that you killed somebody. Son of a bitch, you got me. That's it. No, I got five bodies in in this back room. I got one underneath get, my bed. Yeah, I got two um,
1: under my bed, one in my kitchen cabinet, one in the stove, two in the attic. Yeah, I think I
0: have one in this wall right here. Hold on. No, right here.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: he he's right here. And they don't even have to. Fuck. We were just here to ask you why your cars parked kind of askew, but okay, uh, let's investigate this. We gotta call in reinforcements. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Nilsson was interviewed by the authorities sixteen times over a period of days, which but not for a total times. of thirty hours. He was adamant in not knowing why he killed. He hoped they would be able to tell him. He insisted the decision to kill was in the moment. He filled approximately fifty notebooks detailing his confession, and he felt resigned and relieved to have been caught. Um now He did state, hang on, Um, I gotta do this real quick, sorry. (laughs) So when, he says, when under pressure, under pressure. That's does
0: the same thing, a little uh, David Bowie.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Under
0: pressure.
1: Yeah, when under pressure of work and extreme pain of social loneliness and utter misery, I am drawn compulsively to a means of escape from reality. This is achieved by taking increased amounts of alcohol and plugging into the stereo music, which mentally removes me to a high plane of ecstasy, joy, and tears. This is a totally emotional experience. I relive experiences from childhood to, to present, taking out the bad bits. When I take alcohol, I see myself moved out of my isolated prison flat. I bring people who are not always allowed to leave because I want them to share my experiences and high feeling. So he, They're not allowed him. to leave because he doesn't let them. He kills them. I, I can kind of relate
0: on, and I'm, I'm being serious with this one, not on the killing people thing, but I do the same thing. My, my way of escape, and it always has been since I was a child, is music. Is I dive into music and mm-hmm. I take out all the bad parts. I take out all the beatings. I take out all the neglect. I take out all the uh, not eating and starving and, and, and holy shoes and bad clothes. I take all that out and I relive the good parts of mm-hmm. my childhood. And I dive into music because that is my catharsis mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day. So I can relate to that part. However, I have dated some smoking hot fucking sex maniac bitches. I'm sorry. That's rude. Young ladies. Is that better since you gave me that look?
1: Whatever. I don't know them. And
0: while while it was awesome and I didn't want them to leave, I ain't killing nobody and hiding them underneath my floorboards. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying, Dennis, buddy, I can relate. I really can. Yeah, the music well, deal, go for it. Killing people and hiding them, in, hiding them around your apartment—that's pretty fucked up, well, bro. Well,
1: the way he said, I bring people who are not always allowed to leave. Okay, my thing is, is <laughs> they could have if you let them.
0: Yeah, if you. And, and in today's society, especially because there's so many different kinks and everything, let's get into sex a little bit. There's different kinks for everything. Some people are actually into that shit, like where they can pretend that they're dead, and you can fuck somebody who's pretending that they're dead. Mm -hmm. There's a kink for that. There's people who are into everything. Literally everything you want under the sun. There's a kink for, and most of it's legal. If you want kids, that's illegal as fucking, honestly, or animals. Uh, that's illegal. And if you want that seriously, you need to put a gun in your mouth. There's
1: four states you can go to to get kink for animals. Let's just say I (laughs) don't care.
0: I don't care if there's four states. Like (laughs) for real, if you want animals or kids, put a gun in your mouth now. Even if you're one of our listeners, I don't care. Put a gun in your mouth and pull that fucking trigger because you're a sick fuck. But if you want to have sex with like somebody who's pretending that they're dead, there's people who are into that. If you want to be a swinger, there's people that are into that. If
1: If you you want to pretend you're a baby. There's people that are into that.
0: There are because
1: I I've seen that porno.
0: I flip through a lot of uh, personal ads because I think they're funny as shit, and there are men and women who are into the hey come change my diaper type of a thing. Yeah, I couldn't do that. People are into that. It's not my deal. No, but if it's yours, hey, party on, man. You ain't doing no harm.
1: Well, Dennis does say in defense of his own behavior, he says a corpse is a thing. It can't feel. It can't suffer. If you're more upset about what I did to a corpse than what I did to a living person, then your morals are upside down.
0: And I agree with that. Me too. 100%. He, he is spot on with that. Dennis, buddy, you are spot on with that statement.
1: Yeah. But go get your corpse from a morgue. Don't kill him yourself.
0: No, just seriously. If you, you find somebody who's into that, it might be hard to find. But you find a group of people that are into that shit.
1: Sorry, I read ahead by two sentences and, and I had
0: a laugh. Maybe you live out your whole corpse fantasy. Yeah. It's it's a there thing. are people
1: out there that'll do that.
0: You know, I I don't believe in shaming anybody for their sex for for their sexuality. Uh-uh. So seriously, if you're bisexual, you're homosexual, you're straight, you're pan, whatever your deal is, if you if you wanna have sexual fantasies with a, with a living partner that pretends that they're a corpse and they ice their body down and they go pale with blue lips. That's your thing? I don't judge. Furries, I judge you a little bit. I will admit that. I judge you a little bit. Not because I disagree. No, and I want to go. But it's so, to me, to me personally, so you guys can blame me, it's so odd and so bizarre to see Mickey Mouse fucking Donald Duck or Scooby-Doo. Or anything else, or like a big fluffy <laughs> bear fucking a panda. To me it's, it's so a bizarre. Polar bear. Cause I'm a polar bear.
1: Yeah. Oh, I just hit my head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. Intern just said uh, or okay, even God. worse, a dragon <laughs> banging a cheetah. To me it's so bizarre <laughs> that I have a hard time, and this, this is a me problem, this isn't a you problem out there. To me, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around it. Only because I am so sexually open that I will literally try almost anything. Almost. Almost. Like, seriously, if, if, if my girlfriend came to me and said, hey, Scott, I'm going to poop on your chest, that's a definite no. Now, I'm not saying if that's your deal, that's your deal. That's, I, don't, I don't care. I just don't want to see is it. That's
1: my personal preference, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, if that's your personal preference, that party, dude. I don't fucking give a shit. For me personally, to me, that's a hard no. Yeah. Okay? Um, anything with bathroom Olympics, like any kind of bodily fluid like that, any waste product, that's not my thing. But honestly, if she came to me someday and said, hey, I want to put two fingers in your ass, if she warned me first cause I had somebody sneak that on me and it's terrifying, I would at least consider it. I wouldn't shoot it down right away. I would at least say, okay, let me think this through. Let me brace myself. Yeah. Let me, let me process this information so that, because I want, I want, whenever I'm in a, a relationship with somebody, I want everybody's sexual needs to be met. Yeah. Equally. Right. You know, so if that is what her deal was, I would, let me think about it. Let me process it. Give me a day or two. And I'll to get wrap back my to mind
1: around it. Yeah.
0: Right. So I can see if I can accept it. Or I actually had a great conversation with my former business partner about transgender people. If I'm going out with a chick and I find out in a week that she's really a guy, I'm going to have a problem with that. Or even if, even if the has totally happened. Right. I'm going to have a fucking problem with that. But... If a transgender person came to me and we're talking, it's the first date, and, uh, and she says, hey, look, my name used to be uh, Timothy and not Tina. I'm, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm post-op, yada, yada. I'd say, okay, now I have an option. Right. Okay, now you've, you've, you've allowed me the option to think this through. Right. And, and decide for myself right. if I can accept this or not accept it. What's not acceptable to me is being in a relationship for any amount of time, even another day, and things are getting freaky. And you go, by the way, my name used to be Tim. I was a guy. It's not because you're transgender. No. You didn't give me the option to fucking think it through and go, can I accept this or not? Because if I can't, I can't. Right. If I can, I can I don't know until I'm in that situation.
1: Exactly. Exactly. No, I see what you're saying.
0: So, yeah, yeah that's, that's my biggest thing with Dennis is homie, buddy. You're obviously not a dumb motherfucker.
1: Obviously not.
0: Um, I, I really admire Dennis's work ethic. Mm-hmm. He went after what he wanted. He looked at his parents and said, why are you people settling for mediocre? You're settling for being poor. Mm-hmm. When I see the potential in you. To get out of this to better your lives but you're not doing it so he said you know what I'm not going to be like these guys I'm going to better myself so that's what he does he betters himself right so he's not stupid he learns to cook he learns to be a chef he becomes a cop he's doing everything he can which is brilliant and what behooves me is that in his mind he didn't stop to the think there's other gay guys out there and what if I pose that question right, and find the person that says, hey, it's kind of fun. It's role-playing. It's a little kinky. I'm a little into that. That might be fun. Yeah. You know, why that never crossed his mind instead of going right to murder, that's what really bothers me about
1: it. Yeah. I, I mean, I can kind of see why it didn't cross his mind because of the era. Okay. That's, that's what I'm saying here.
0: But I, I'm thinking back to when he found, found the two gay guys humping oh, yeah. in a car. I, that doesn't even prove it was legal or illegal. Because honestly, even in today's society, like if I'm banging a chick in my truck and get caught by the cops, it's a decent exposure. It's a misdemeanor. You're going to go to jail.
1: At least get ticket. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're going you're gonna to wind up in court over it. It's a crime. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that may have been the situation there, too. But still... I don't see why he didn't just kind of ask around. Now, granted, in the, in the time, a lot of your, your peers that are gay are going to sit there and go, dude, no, that's pretty fucking weird. But you're in London. London is a big motherfucking city. I've been there many times.
1: Is it weird? I've never been. No. Oh,
0: I, I, It's weird to see him drive on the wrong side of the fucking road. Because, you know, you're, alert, you're taught to look left and right and left. You have to do it in reverse. Because if not, you're going to get just ran over by those double-decker buses. <laughs> and those things don't stop. Here's the difference. I think that um, um, Iglesias, uh, Gabriel Iglesias put it best. He was talking about the difference between getting hit by a double-decker bus in Hawaii versus England. Because in Hawaii, they're not in a hurry to do shit. So if you get hit by a double-decker bus... Hey, you okay? Shoots! Which is something that they say yeah. over there. Walk it off. Okay. Yeah, bruh. Yeah, bruh. I'm going to walk it off. Then you get to England. and A man exploded after being hit <laughs> with a double-decker bus. Because those motherfuckers, they're not stopping for shit. You no, know, they're in a hurry. They're in a hurry to get from point A to point B. They're going to fucking pulverize you. They're going to be like, we... Uh, well, he... he He's a some of them victim because we found some of him up here, up there, (laughs) over there. Is that my Southern word of the day? No, no, no. Your Southern word of the day, by the way, is China. Okay. Buddy, you need to get some rest. China, but the goddamn neighbors won't shut up. (laughs) That's your Southern word of the day.
1: Yeah, people, I listen to this all the time.
0: (laughs) But yeah, you know, um, and, and I... The only reason I'm on a tirade about this is because I've seen so many serial killers and people who've committed rapes and crimes because they're into a fetish.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But nobody thinks this, th- th- this shit through. The, the, the they the can result, find
1: somebody who's into that as well.
0: Especially in today's age where it's so easy to get oh, caught. hard
1: today. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> find somebody who's into the same shit that you're at. Dude, there's websites. Mm-hmm. There's dating apps. Mm -hmm. There's clubs that specialize in whatever your kink there is. Wait a minute, Scotty. I want somebody to put his whole hand up my ass and use me like a puppet. They got a club for that. Homie, there's a
1: fucking club
0: and a website for it. I promise. I fucking promise you. Whatever you're into, there's something. Find the person that flips your switch sexually. Mm -hmm. That's the whole thing. And to our straightish listeners out there role play yes if you're bored because our demographic is middle-aged women between yes. the ages of 25 and 65 mm-hmm. and the biggest complaint this is my PSA while I'm drunk by the way um, is that well sex is boring with my husband we've been married for 20 Dude, role years play.
1: I role played with a boyfriend role play yeah I would me and a boyfriend would pretend like we had just met each other at a bar and we would that's what we did and you know what it was fun because people thought that we were just meeting each other and we had that little you know that shy you know how when people first meet that shy dynamic but we knew what was coming later (laughs) you know what I mean so it's fun you know
0: role play it's a blast I've done a bajillion times everything from the daddy-daughter fantasy thing to um to the abduction
1: I've never done that one.
0: Oh, I, I've I've had some girlfriends that I've had more than one that wanted to be. Wa- you, you select a specific area, mm-hmm. and there's there's prep that's involved in this. Oh by yeah, the way. and you sneak it behind her. You put your hand over her mouth, and you drag her into your vehicle. You got to tie her up, and you do the whole thing, and you do the pretend you know rape dealio. It's a great fantasy.
1: Oh, it is. And you know what? And I have no problem with that. I wouldn't do it because of my history.
0: But you know some of our listeners out there's like, what a fucking pick. Dude, I've had girlfriends who are into that. You know what? Fucking play along if that's if that's your deal. And you know what? There there are safe
1: words for a reason. Yes. You know. Exactly.
0: And that's one thing that I've told every chick I've ever been with when we're, whenever we're doing anything like BDSM style
1: mm-hmm. is
0: that there's a safe word. This is my safe word. And I don't tell everybody my safe word because that is reserved specifically for whoever I'm with. Right. Um, and if you say that word. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to follow it up with something else. But when you say that word, everything fucking stops. Right. Or at least changes direction. Right. And you make sure that you get back on track. There are some people out there who claim to be dominance. And then they don't really use a safe word. And they keep going. And you're you're an idiot if you're doing that. Yeah. If you don't have a safe word, you're a fucking idiot.
1: Yeah. No. Every, I mean, yeah. I mean, because even when I was with this one. And, you know, it's like because I'm not into all of the BDSM stuff. But I was with this guy. And he was kind of vanilla. And still is. But anyways, you know, I was with him and everything, and I'm sorry. I occasionally like to be spanked. That's just me. And he says, okay, but you have to give me a safe word in case it gets too hard. I said, how about, ouch? And he goes, no, seriously, I need a safe word. I'm like, okay, you know, so I gave him my safe word, right. and he was okay with that. But he was still hesitant because he wasn't used to that yet. We need to have a
0: podcast just on sex.
1: We do kind of a different That's one, gonna be,
0: yeah. Different. I'm going to develop that one too.
1: But yeah, no, I mean, and there's at the same time we are in a day and age when a lot of shit is more acceptable, and you know what. That's okay as long as it's two consenting adults and nobody's getting hurt.
0: And that's my main thing right there. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming that you're a fucking adult. Guys, girls, be a fucking adult. Yes. There's a way to save your relationship sexually Mm -hmm. when you're looking. Spice up a little. And I mentioned girls because that's our demographic. But guys, guys, stop what the fuck you're doing right fucking now. Listen to Big Daddy Scott.
1: If you want to wear some panties, just tell your woman.
0: We'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> so you're looking at your old lady and you're thinking, God, fucking sex is boring. We do the same thing. We do missionary. We do doggy style. And that's it. And she's boring as fuck. You know whose fault that is? Yours. yours. It's it's fucking yours. Look in the goddamn mirror, asshole. It's fucking you. You're the fault. You're the reason. Talk. Communicate. Yes. This is what makes my relationship with, with the person I'm seeing great and, and has made it great for eight years, um, granted, I fucked up a lot in eight years, is communication. Mm-hmm. That is so fucking key. Mm-hmm. Um, not just sexually, but like, you know, when I'm having bad days and shit like that. Right. Um, communicate, though. Look at your old lady and go, hey, look, it's getting kind of monotonous in the bedroom. We're doing the same thing, or we're not having sex at all. Let's find something new. Yeah. And your new thing might be role-playing. Your new thing might be going out and swinging, which is, that adds complications to a relationship. It
1: does, but, you know.
0: So really research the rules Mm -hmm. before you try doing that shit. Mm -hmm. Because it will fuck up your relationship if you don't do it right. Yes. But add that flavor back to life. And I say Mm -hmm. this because, honestly, for all y'all that are married or or in a relationship, I want you to have a long lifespan of, of love. And sex
1: mm-hmm. Because
0: sex is so fu- it's, it's beyond intimacy mm-hmm. It is it, it takes so much to be in that Vulnerable position mm-hmm. to each other and, and be willing to be vulnerable with one another mm-hmm. That's the key right there I'm off my fucking soapbox I, you say, Are you done? I am because you know what? I'm going to create a whole fucking new podcast just on sex Okay. I'm developing that Okay. Continue on while I'm developing
1: developing something. So Uh, while awaiting trial, this part cracked me up. I read ahead a little bit and I shouldn't have. While awaiting trial, Nielsen believed being innocent until proven guilty meant he did not need to wear prison garb. So in protest, he decided to wear nothing. Uh, He was confined to a cell in response and after throwing the contents of his chamber pot through the bars at officers, he was sentenced to 56 days in solitary confinement. 60
0: days in the hole. 56. Dork. So close enough.
1: Nilsson was initially represented by a guy named Ronald Moss, but he fired him, rehired, and then fired him again. He was too mossy. Yeah. He (laughs) didn't grow on him. Deciding.
0: His last name is a tree
1: Ah. or forest. Deciding to not plead guilty, but on advice of Ralph Himes. Pled not guilty by diminished capacity, the debate wasn't whether he killed, but if he was capable of premeditation. It took four hours to read to the jury his interview notes. Despite attempts to paint Nilsen as a narcissist with a lack of emotional development, schizoid episodes who, who was unable to understand the wrongness of his actions, the jury did find him guilty. He was originally sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 le- years. Later, the Home Secretary changed it to life without the possibility of parole. While in jail, Nilsson filed a grievance regarding the abil- inability—how dare they—inability to watch gay porn and later the denial of publishing an autobiography.
0: Motherfuckers! don't oh, hold on right there, but, England, knock it the fuck off. Let that man watch some gay porn and pu- publish his autobiography, you assholes. But
1: he was unable to pu- He but he was able to pus- publish it posthumously. Now Nilsson is frequently labeled a necrophiliac and a cannibal. Though he definitely qualifies as a necrophiliac, he was never a cannibal. By all accounts, no human flesh was consumed. He just boiled the remains as a as a means of disposal, not for consumption.
0: Correct.
1: I am kind of glad I got to read that. But next time, I swear to you, I'm going to read it through first because there are so many things in there I didn't want to read.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, I mean, and he is. He's, a, he's another post-trial for, psycho, you know, for psychopathy. I mean, not psychopathy, but like a um, psychology debate. I'll totally. That's what I meant to say totally totally yeah it just it,
0: it sends me greatly honestly with all my jokes aside Yeah,
1: because i think if he would have found an outlet for right. his needs and desires and not been shamed by his brother and that's the main thing when
0: then, you shame somebody for their fucking sexuality uh-huh. no matter what it is when you shame somebody now they're number one they're ashamed they and think two, that they that think that they, it's they have so to hide it they have to hide it then they're gonna but they're still gonna look for ways to kind of fill up fill out their their, their,
1: their sexual needs.
0: scorecard right. to, to get their needs fed. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, man. And for all of you out there who say, oh, my son or my daughter's gay, fuck them. Fuck you. How about that? How about that? You know oh, what? Fuck you, you.
1: You are to love your children unconditionally.
0: Me and my son have had this because my, my son at 18 is still a virgin. Um, yeah, because he, he keeps
1: trying to get me to lay him, but I won't.
0: And, I, and him and I had a heart-to-heart talk that, seriously, if, if he finds out that what he prefers is to be gay, which I don't know if he is or not, yeah. that's just a, I would love him just the same as I do today. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That, that goes with any of my children. Yeah. If, if, if any of them said, hey, guess what? This is what I like. I like the same sex. That doesn't change who you are. No. You're still who you are. You're still who you are. You're still yeah. a pain in the ass.
1: Yeah. I Maybe mean,
0: more than... With my son, if he was gay, more, he'd be more of a pain in the ass than he'll
1: have more of a pain in the ass. Yeah,
0: probably, yeah. <laughs> you never know. He might be topping,
1: grabbing some hip, smacking some ass. Maybe. I don't see that though. Why's your hand down your pants? Yeah, that's what I was wondering, and I don't want to know the a- I don't want to know the answer to that question, so that stop. Fucking asking. Disturbing. My That is down here, How do we know?
0: That's all belly, man. That's no. all
1: belly me, Mama. I'm turning yeah! No, I am turning around so I don't have to look. He just flashed
0: Tammy his fucking belly and he's smacking it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's how you know that's my kid over there. Yeah. That's Alexander Jeans going totally on. He's totally
1: your child. No, because my daughter let me know some you know, information about herself not too long ago. And she goes, are you mad at me? I said, why would I be mad at you? I said, you're still who you are. Yeah. I love you. I would never not love you. You know, right. and I love my daughter. I mean, she's not, like I said, she's not my real daughter, but she's my daughter. I love her. And I would do anything for her, you know. And if that means that, you know, she is into something I'm not into, you know what? That's her. As long as she's, you know, stays safe, then I'm all for it, you know. And that's, a key
0: you know, just staying safe.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's, do you have anything to add to Dennis Nelson that you haven't already?
0: <laughs> no, I've been kind of addicted to this whole thing.
1: Yeah, kind of, but you know what? I. I
0: but so this it's is a,
1: number two on our crack up list.
0: This is one that I'm glad that we have him on a Friday because it's it's a good way for everybody to end their week with a nice little laugh and yeah. zero killing. You can't beat that shit.
1: You can't go now. Go fuck up a bowl of tricks and be quiet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> tricks are for kids. <laughs> All right, remember, you can send us an email at brutal nation at twistedbluellc.com. Check out the website at brutal at twistedbluellc.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, or wherever you get your blogs. Just put in at brutal nation and we should pop right up for you. And seriously, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Drop us a line, man. Scott will
1: pop right up for you.
0: We actually reply to all the emails that we get.
1: We do. I like getting emails, too, by the way.
0: I am going to say this, though. For those of you that comment with your company shit for vaping, if you're listening to this on the website...
1: Knock it
0: off! I own that website. Knock it the fuck off. You're not going to (laughs) get on our website. We're not going to publish you as a goddamn comment. You're just being annoying. No, you're just spam. You're
1: And... and I only eat Spam if it's fried.
0: I don't eat Spam at all. What animal does it come from? Nobody knows. Nobody's ever heard of a spaminole. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I'm going to go hunt a Spaminal. I am going to tag find a
1: meme, and I will send it to you. I will find a Spaminal.
0: I'm going to make you a Spaminal out of Spam and say, look, I found a fucking Spaminal. I'm going to toss more than that.
1: He's going to toss somebody's salad. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Oh, my hey, God, we're done.
0: Okay. Tricks, have a like nice, that. have a nice weekend, everybody. Have a good weekend, <laughs> folks, and we'll talk to you guys next week. This show's copyright of 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And guess what, boys and girls, we actually love you fuckers. So, see you next week. Bye.
1: Bye.